0: Being a male is a matter of birth, but being a man is a matter of choice. In other words, you choose to be the man that you're supposed to be. Now, as we say these things, don't get the idea that you're puffed up on being a man, you know. And we kind of get that, you know. These things are earned, these things are worked on, these are things because you make a choice to be that way.
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Hardy, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the Ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, Visit us online at VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest.
0: And, uh, you know, I, I, I preach all the time and I share all the time and and so I'm always looking for somebody with more wisdom and grace than I have. And so I've asked Pastor Ray Henry to come and preach today. Would you welcome Pastor Ray as he comes and shares the great wisdom that he, in all of his years, has learned about being a father? I'm going to sit right there, and he's going to teach me all the stuff that I didn't know. In 30 seconds, right? Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Pastor Ray Henry, folks. started to preach my sermon already, so. Uh-oh. Father's Day and Mother's Day are obviously about us kids. Whether you're young or old, we, this day and on Mother's Day, we honor those who brought us into the world. They have one common goal, and that is to bring up their children in the best way that they can. However, the nature and design of father is different than mother. And so we're going to talk today about fathers. In America today, we're more than aware of what's happening to our fathers in society. It seems like we're being raised by a mother society in many ways because fathers walk away. Fathers are not in the homes. Studies show that 80% of men who are in prison did not have a father or did not have the influence of a father head in some way. That father figure is so important to the development of a man. And as we go through the process of becoming men, it's important that we are looking at somebody that we model our lives after. And day in and day out, when a child is watching a father, they begin to gather impressions about what they should be. I don't know if you know or not, but Al Rhodes and I, for a couple of years, ministered to prisoners in Winslow. And during that time, we found this statistic of 80% of men that had problems with not having a father or a father figure was true. In talking with these men, it was obvious that they struggled with authority. They struggled with a man in their life. Or if they had a man in their life, the image was not what it should be. A few years ago, several men and I went to Bolivia, uh, Santa Cruz, Bolivia, and to Lima, Peru, to uh, oversee a men's conference. And during that time, I had the opportunity to speak in several churches. And one of the things that... We were asked to do specifically by the leadership of the conference was to talk to the men about being leaders in their home and in their churches. Guess where this request came from? The women. They were saying, Our men are not leading in the home, our men are not leading in the church. The women became the leaders because the men abdicated this role and began to walk away from the authority that God had asked them to have in the home and the authority they were asked to have in the churches. Now understand, it's not about men shoving women aside or running over their wives. It has to do with men standing up and taking the responsibility that God said, I want you in this role. I want you to lead. I want you to be the men that take responsibility. And what happens then when a wife stands right next to her husband and supports what happens with the husband and the man uh, takes the leadership role, things begin to change. By the way, this leadership issue with men is not unique to Bolivia or Peru. Look at what's happening in America. Men are leaving this responsibility. So men... You're responsible for leading your family. There's no two ways about it. Ephesians 5.21 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be uh, to their husbands, uh, should be also to their husbands in everything. This was also a requirement um, of uh, pastors and deacons, um, 1 Timothy 3.12, in other places, talks about the deacons must faith, be faithful to their wives and must manage their children and their households well. So that's pretty specific. Men, this is who you're supposed to be. This is who I'm supposed to be. We need to step into this. Men are called to lead. Because it all ties together, what we're going to do as I talk this morning, we're going to talk about the measure of a man, then we're going to talk about leading a family, and then we're going to talk about being a father. So let's start off with the measure of a man. So what is a man? I have to say, many years I spent floundering trying to understand what it was I should be as a man. God was doing his best with me, but I fought him in so many things. I struggled with how the world defines a successful man. Terms like wealth, influence, and power, doing our own thing, a career, big big education. I've got to be me. All kinds of different things float down through society as to who we should be. But these things don't really define a man these things also tend to come and go and have impact on us. I've been in church all my life. I had a great father figure. My father was wonderful, and he led in our family. But all of us come to that point where we have to become those things on our own. Bottom line, for the most part, I didn't know what I was doing. I was confusing a worldly man with a biblical man as to what he should be. Then I came to know a man called Dr. Cole. He began what's called Christian Men's Network. And what's interesting, Dr. Cole was a pastor for many, many years, and he did not even start this ministry until after 60 years of age. And he influenced the uh, uh, men in great ways. I say I knew him. I met him several different times. He was even here in Flagstaff at a conference at one time. I uh, went to several conferences. I met him on multiple occasions. I even went to his funeral several years ago. His whole pro, uh, whole uh, premise was to build biblical men. He authored several books, some of them you may know, such as uh, Maximized Man, Real Man, Sexual Integrity, Potential principles, sex, communication, money, quite a few others. His program that he developed over time called for men to get involved in the study in Scripture about what a man was. There were nine books uh, at the time he put the program together. Men had to go through nine books, they had an exam at the end of each book, then they had to write, uh, t- pass a final exam, they had to write three essays. And it was quite an involved process. Over a time, the Lamb of God Bible Church had over 80 men involved in this program. Over 40 of them completed the program. Over 30 of them went through more than half of the program. We commissioned men into this program, not only here, but across the world, in uh, in Sweden, in uh, Africa, in uh, different places. It really got involved, and this was going on uh, all around the world in many ways. The ministry uh, to prison that Al and I were involved in, we took the men through this program, and it took about two years going over every Monday to make that happen. We even have uh, some of those men in our congregation. Dan Hute is a commissioned man. Uh, Dave Gerhart. Um, Fr- Frank Thomas. Tom White. Uh, Chuck earler Different ones that have gone through this. are just still around in this congregation. But you might say, so what? If they really apply this in their life, maybe that's good. And, of course, we all have that choice. Well, I want to tell you so what. In the end, the men finished the program and they were honored in front of their church. They all came up here and they asked the women, their wives, to come up with them. And after the commissioning, they asked the women, Do you have anything to say? To the woman, they said it changed their homes, it changed their family. It changed fathers for their relationship with their children. Why? Because you see, these men touched scriptural manhood, which is a whole different thing than just a man of the world. Now, the whole point is not about Dr. Cole. It's not his material. There's lots of good material out there. But I want to talk to you guys about focusing on who God says that you are. You see, Dr. Cole's information, like a lot of these programs, all had as a foundation Scripture. It was the Bible. This morning, I'm going to mention a few of the principles that I learned over time, and just a few. uh, The material is just riddled with all kinds of different little um, father quotes and things about what uh, Scripture says, and it kind of made the Scripture come alive. So, um, all of this is biblically based. So, some thoughts on being a man. I'm going to go through a few uh, statements real quick. And these statements are kind of interesting because it's the turn of the word that makes it come alive. You'll see them in your notes there. Men, we must spend time alone with God. I'm talking about away from your wives. I'm talking about away from your children. It will change your lives, and then consequently, it will change your children. Sure, we spend time praying and reading the Scripture on a daily basis. I hope you do. I I try to, too. But the point is to get away, stop, pray, talk to God, and then listen. How many know that God talks back to you? He gives you information. He leads you to Scripture he will speak to you through your brother or your sister. You will learn things because God talks back to you. He will even talk back to you while you're sitting there praying. It is something that we are, you know, what, what would happen if I came to you and I talked to you, but you never responded? You never talked back. It wouldn't be much of a conversation, would it? It's not much of a conversation if you talk to God and he doesn't talk back. God talks to you. Next statement, manhood and likeness are synonymous, probably one of Dr. Cole's most famous sayings. In other words, the whole point is a real man tries to follow Christ in everything that he does. In other words, it's a day-by-day, a moment-by-moment choice. I choose this moment to follow Christ. Things are going haywire. I choose to follow Christ. I see opportunity. I choose to follow Christ. Next one, God will not do our part, we cannot do God's part. You see, God's already done his part. Signed, sealed, delivered, it's there, he's blessed us, everything has been done for us. He's redeemed, he's paid the price, and so everything is ready. Now we have to step into that, that's doing our part. In other words, we can step boldly into the life with Christ because our choice day by day makes a difference. Number four, don't let someone else create your world for you. For when you do, they will always make it too small. Don't define yourself by systems, by preachers, by, by, uh, by circumstances. You define your own life based on what things are with God. In other words, allow God to create your world. I wonder what if I really did begin to define myself based on what God wants me to do? Wow, things would really, really change. It would change in my home, it would change on my job. I would begin to think about things completely different. I would walk with my head high because I'm the child of the king of God. Okay? The only reason you do wrong is because you don't do right. Now, that's real deep theologically, right? You really get lost there. The only reason you do wrong is because you don't do right. In other words, you have choices moment by moment. And if you just step into the choices, I don't know about you, but I just sometimes really get confused because here I find myself wandering down a path that I shouldn't, And guess what happened? It was all me. I choose the wrong direction. I choose the wrong, I chose the wrong words. I choose to uh, do things in a wrong way. And there's consequences for those things. Next one says, a man does not own a marriage. He is only a steward of his wife's love. Men, when you married... You were entrusted by God to minister to that marriage. You were entrusted by God to minister to the family that came from that marriage. God trusted you. I've always been amazed. There's another quote that I haven't gotten down here. Well, what's amazing is to have faith in God. But you know what's even more amazing than that? God has faith in you. If you have faith in him, if you step to the mark, things begin to change in your life. You don't push a string, you pull it. You don't push people, you lead them. I don't know if you ever tried to do that. You take a string and you try to make it go where you want to do it by pushing it. It's not going to do it. If you take a hold of it, it will follow because you are leading. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to lead people. You're supposed to lead your family. You're supposed to lead your children. That means responsibility. That's the reason God asks you men to step into this role. Take hold, and in a godly way, lead your people. Next one says, a man may give his wife a mink coat, but a good name is the best gift. How do people view you as a man? Their view of uh, how does it reflect with your wife? How does it reflect with your children? You see, what the world thinks of you is going to have consequences with the way they look at your family that seems kind of unfair in a way but the reality is that's the way that it works who you are what you become has impact on your family has impact on your children okay the uh, the true test of character is not what you do in public but in what you think when you're all alone that's really who you are isn't it so what do you think about what do you contemplate What do you struggle with? How do you view others? How do you spend your time? What's your prayer life like? Do you control your thoughts? Do you take your mind captive? I struggle with this. Do you? My mind can go all kinds of different directions. And believe you me, Satan's right there trying to noodle with things, trying to mess with your thought, trying to sidetrack you. How many times have you sat down to pray, and the next thing you know, you're thinking about the guy that just walked by the house? You sat down to pray, and then the next thing you know, you're thinking about things at work. You sat down to pray. Where do you think that comes from? First off, me. And then Satan said, well, I'll fix this. And you'll bring up in your mind things that you struggle with. God gave you the capability to control that. Just take control over those kind of things. You can tell the character of a man by the friends that he keeps. (laughs) Just in the hall, I was talking with somebody about this. We were talking about the struggle that we have with people. So who's close to you? Now, I know ministry to your friends and acquaintances are important, but the people that you hang with are really, really important. Church is no accident, guys. It's not one of those things that was an afterthought. Well, it would be nice if people got together. That fellowship strengthens you. It encourages you. It holds us accountable. When I see you kind of walking down the, the wrong way, it's my responsibility to say, come on. And by the way, it's your responsibility when Ray begins to say things, do things, walk in the way that he shouldn't. You're supposed to put your arm around him, me and say, Ray, I love you, but look, you're in dangerous area. That's what church is all about. It also is a strengthening. It gives us courage. It helps us in the fellowship to realize we're not alone in this battle. Next one says, show me what a man spends his money on, and I'll show you where his heart is. Now, we could talk all day long about that. It's amazing to me, all of the things that we buy for ourselves, and we spend our money on this, that, and the other things, And things get out of control real, real quick sometimes. What do you spend your money on? Now, there's nothing wrong with spending your money on yourself. There's nothing wrong with buying things, okay? But what do you spend it on? What's important? I mean, you hear this church talk about the tithe. You talk about the programs. And then people get offended because somebody's bringing this up about it. It's about money, money, money. All churches want. You know, people that usually complain about the money situation in church stay away from church because what? Not because of the money. They want to stay away from church. Really? Don't you think that's really what's going on? Money is part of it. More scripture is spoken of, uh, speaks about money than just about any other subject in scripture. Because it is such a foundational thing in leading your life. So show me a man, show me what a man spends his money on and I'll show you where his heart is. I'm going to add a couple here that's not even on the uh, 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 prompter up there you are only qualified to lead to the degree that you're willing to serve. So, you will be qualified to lead if you are serving. So, if we break that down and do it the other direction, if you're not serving, are you really qualified to lead? It's about service. We can't effectively lead unless... We are servant in our marriage unless we are servant in our family, unless we are servant to our children. The last one I want to read here about being a man, I really like this one. Being a man is a matter of birth. Uh, uh, Sorry, yes. Being a man is a matter of birth. Being a man, I said that all wrong, I'm going to back up and say it again. Being a male, there we go. Being a male is a matter of birth but being a man is a matter of choice. In other words, you choose to be the man that you're supposed to be. Now, as we say these things, don't get the idea that you're puffed up. I'm being a man, you know, and we kind of get that, you know. These things are earned. These things are worked on. These are things because you make a choice to be that way. I ask myself often, why am I just messing with it? boldly step across the line that says, I'm not messing around anymore. I'm going to live the life that I'm supposed to. I'm going to make choices that honor God. Be a man of God. Next, I want to talk about leading the family. We talked about being a man of God. Let's talk about leading the family. You're called not only to be a man, but you're called to lead that family the directions that it should go. In other words, you take responsibility for what's happening in that family. Not the wife. She's involved in it all, but you take ultimate responsibility. First thing I want to mention is the characteristics of a kingdom emanate from the character of a king. If you've got a nation where the king is in charge of things, and things are beginning to fall around, fall down around the ears of the kingdom, and things are a mess. It all has to do with the king. In other words, it's the king that has to step in and take charge of those things. It rests with the king to solve the problems. And so it follows. If there's issues in your family's men... It starts with the head of that family. What's happening in your family? Oh, my children. Oh, my wife. Oh, this. Oh, that. No. It starts with the head of the family. Are there troubles? Sure. But the responsibility rests with the men. And so to be more to the point, the characteristics of a marriage emanate from the character of the husband. The characteristics of the family emanate from the character of the father. Who are you? Who am I? We have choice to step into the role we are called to uh, live in. Next one says, When communication stops, abnormality sets in. Many times, men, we don't communicate. We just don't uh, speak the things that we should. We sometimes clam up and we quit talking. Shouldn't be that way, you see, we need to step into the conversation, we need to talk, we need to listen, and I want to ask, do you really listen? I mean really listen? It's been said you can get a man or a woman to do almost anything listen long enough hear people's hearts, so what's it mean to? listen. First off, you stop. You take time. You focus. There's eye contact. There's interaction. You limit the um, interruptions. And you listen, maybe even grunt every once in a while to show you're paying attention. You really are involved in that conversation. You're not wondering, boy, I saw a lot of elbowing going on there. I... <laughs> So you need to really listen, and I'm going to get in your stuff. That means no cell phones. And I and I mean that. Pet peeve. I said in meetings, I said in, uh, in houses, I, I see it when I go and appraise properties, and everybody's got their face in the phone. Stop Stop. It's disrespectful. It fractures communication. So no cell phone. no computer. No Facebook, no computer games, no monitoring text. Well, oh, I've got to get to that. I see people almost hyperventilate because there's my phone vibrator, my phone vibrated. Communicate. That means when you're talking with your wife, stop. Talk with your wife. I know some of you are really good at multitasking. Really? Uh Study after study after study shows it doesn't work. Focus. Communicate with people. Make sure that they are listening. Make sure that you are listening. Focus on people. That's the point. Giving your family your time shows respect for them. When we get to the end, when all is said and done, the only thing we're going to have is relationships that we formed. It's not going to be about money. It's not going to be about position. You're not going to worry about whether you work more hours or not. It's going to be about the relationships that you had with family. Focus on it, guys. It's so important. To change your life, change your words. Matthew fifteen eighteen says, but the things that come out of the person's mouth come from the heart. It's pretty pointed. In other words, what you say is who you really are. I don't know about you, but um, there's things that come out of, my, out of my mouth sometimes I am just floored with. where did that come from or I tease or I carry on one thing and the other and I realize the things that I have done have just disrupted somebody's life and the thing I got to take responsibility for is when I have hurt people or when I've said things that I shouldn't or when I have uh, puffed myself up or whatever I've done where did that come from Oh, well, you made me say that, you know, with baloney. I don't know, you guys are all way too young to remember Flip Wilson, you know, when you. The devil made me do it, you know. That's not right. Who made you do that? Your heart. It was already in your heart. I like Flip Wilson, he was fun. <laughs> the devil made me do it. <laughs> no. You made you do it, okay? So what comes out of your mouth came out of your heart. We quote Deuteronomy 30, uh, 19 all the time. It says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you. That's a powerful statement right there. Man, I am really witnessing to you, God says, that this is what I mean. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that your children may live. Now I know Moses was talking to the children of Israel and they are all getting ready to go into Canaan and all that was the setting. But that principle preaches all the way through Scripture. Choose life, choose blessing. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. Your tongue, everybody touch your tongue. That has the power of life and death. So how are you using that? Are you blessing or are you cursing? Now, the next next thing I want to say, wives, everybody, wives? Wives, let your husband lead. Okay? You remember I talked with... uh, I talked to you about the Bolivia-Peru trip. Well, I talked to the men when I spoke in those churches about being leaders in the churches. And what I followed it up with is, okay, wives, you've asked for this, so to speak, although I didn't say that, but you've asked for this. Now you're going to have to step back and let your man lead. Well, that's going to be hard. You see, you're encouraging men to step to the mark to lead their wives, to lead their families, to lead their children, to step up with that responsibility. Now you're going to have to get out of the men's way and let them step into their God-given responsibility. Your man might mess up while he's trying to take hold of what he's supposed to be doing, but you have to support them. Wives, it's not going to be your job to fix your husbands. It's your job to pray for your husbands, okay, as they step into this. Bev and I have done marriage counseling over the years, and you always get to that part where you're talking about you've got to let the man leave the house, and, boy, you're always expecting the wife's going to kind of bristle. More times than not, well, you want what happens in those marriage situations? The wife says, oh, let him do it. Let him do it. Step into that responsibility. You see, it's not that the husband gets up here. He locks arms with his wife and says, come on, let's go. Let's do what we're supposed to be doing here. Now, men, understand this isn't a power trip thing. Okay, men, this isn't a power trip thing. It's about taking responsibility for what you should have been doing all along. And guys, don't be Mr. Macho. Don't go home and said, okay, bye, grab things, you're going to change around here. <laughs> we're going to get some things set up, and we're going to get this thing going, and you're going to do this, and the kids are going to do that. We've got this all squared away. Things are going to change. <laughs> I, I always remember the story about the man that had been to a men's conference, and he came home, and his wife had already gone to bed. She was laying there reading, and and he came in and sat down on the bed he said, by grab, I'll some things tonight. We've been doing this all wrong. I am going to lead this family, and by grab, things are going to change here. You and I are going to be doing this, that, and the other thing, and you're going to list me. I'm going to lead. You're going to submit. The children, you know, one thing and the other. And he sat there. Well, he didn't see his wife for a few days. And finally the swelling went down where he could see out his eyes and he could see, you know, okay. <laughs> you see, it's not a macho thing. Easy, guys. This responsibility is heavy. It's a good thing. And you should step into it with love, understanding, and an arm around your partner who's going to help you do this. Okay? Okay? When, you step into, when men step into their God-ordained responsibility as a leader of families, along with their wives right next to them, godly things begin to happen in the marriage. Godly things begin to happen with their children. You will begin to receive God's direction in your family. Now, there's a plus. Not only are you going to have Scripture and all the things that are there to kind of help you do this, but God's going to be talking to you. And you're going to say, here's the way you need to go. Here's the way you need to think. Here are the things you need to say. Whoops, you messed up. Repent. Go ask for forgiveness. Change. Shift. Make this thing work. When men take on spiritual responsibility, they don't only step to the mark spiritually, but physically to protect the family. Men have even put their lives on the line for their families. I remember reading about uh, uh, Sapirin who was a church father. He was a bishop in Carthage, uh, North Africa, in about 250 AD. He wrote, Men will lay down their lives for family. Some fathers have approached trial of martyrdom on behalf of their family, protecting their wives, children, the whole family by themselves, undergoing the danger alone. Not long after that, the Romans arrested him and killed him for his faith. He stepped to the mark, stepped in between danger and uh, his family, took the consequences. You see, when you take on this responsibility, it's across the board. With what you're willing to do, you will even die for that family. Men, here's your ultimate act of responsibility. To stand in the gap for your family spiritually and physically to intercede and pray for family to provide to watch over them to encourage them to teach them to lift them up to live a godly life before them to set the example can I get an amen as pastor philemon would say yeah. can I get an amen yeah. last let's talk about being a father first then 1 Thessalonians 2:11 and 12 says just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as father, as a father would with his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, it uses the example of how that they're supposed to step into fatherhood, and then it just shifts and talks about how you're supposed to be in the kingdom of God but I like, the, I like the fact that he used the family as the example to make that leap to you being involved in the kingdom. I want to emphasize our image of our earthly father often affects the spiritual image of God. Fathers, the way you and I raise our children may have impact on the very view that they have of the heavenly father in years to come. What kind of father are you? What kind of father am I? is a strong, hard question we need to ask ourselves. Now, I know some of you may struggle with this. We use the word father to describe earthly father and then turn around in the same breath and talk about the heavenly father. Maybe your earthly father wasn't a Christian, or maybe he was and still didn't get it. Let me say that I'm sorry where your dad failed. Sorry for the pain. I want to apologize as men on behalf of foolish, bumbling, maybe verbally or physically abusive fathers. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. But I want to encourage you. God can heal those wounds. That he can bring hope. And he can take you through this stuff. You can restore those lo- things in your life. As I go through the next few things, men, when we talk about fathers, I know that everything. I, every time I begin to think about these things, I kind of struggle with it. And, um, and I wish I could do it over in many ways. Way too late, smart about, oh, my goodness, I could have shaped this. I could have said that. I could have done this, that, or the other thing. And it hurts and you wish you could do it over but let me tell you it's not too late to start i don't care how old you are you can still go back talk about these things and you can become the godly father from that point on a few thoughts the most important thing the patriarch of the family is entrusted with is to tell the children i found the messiah powerful powerful thing I like first John full and 4 men had been working for generations for thousands of years looking at scripture pouring over it Jesus is coming the messiah was going to be here they were waiting and waiting and it says the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we found the messiah that is the Christ what a profound revelation! Can you imagine the excitement with the revelation? Finally, in their lifetime, the Messiah has come. Men have been waiting, have been waiting thousands of years, and finally, we found the Messiah. What better thing to tell your children? You and I must tell our children about Jesus. You must tell Jesus about uh, tell. You must live Jesus in front of your children that shouts, we have found the Messiah, Jesus, and he is here in our lives. You must share the exciting stories of Scripture about how the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, about the fantastic, amazing story that Jesus walked the earth, how he died and came alive again, conquered Satan and death, about the redeemed that we are, about the glorious return of our Lord, and about walking through those pearly gates someday. Tell them the story. Start telling your children before they can even talk. Help them to understand this wonderful story. We have found the Messiah. I've heard fathers, even mothers, make the comment, Well, I'm going to let my children make up their own mind about this religious thing. I don't know about you, but I've heard them say that. I can't believe it. The truth is, when they make that statement, what's happened? They just made up their kid's mind right then. Maybe they're struggling because they don't want to make up their own mind and make a decision. It's important that we tell them the story. Fathers, what you do today with your children will affect generations to come. It will set the standard for marriage. It will set the standard for family. It will affect affect their uh, spirituality. It will affect their morality, their integrity, the way they live, the choices they make. We are shaping our children and the future generations in significant ways. Now, you're responsible for doing that. I like what Pastor said at the beginning. He talked about how you're responsible for them. Uh, uh, You're you're responsible to them, but you're not responsible for them. You don't know where they're going to do what they're going to do. I've struggled with some of my kids have wandered away just like Pastor say, and you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought I told them all about it. Don't worry about it. Just keep on praying. They'll come back to it, hopefully earlier than later, because they got a lot to do. So what you do is going to affect the generations to come. I know your kids won't appreciate it much today when you begin to show them lots of times what they should be doing. They may moan and groan about your guidance, about your direction, even about that by grab, this is the family, what this family does. We go to church and they're all oh, I don't want to go to church and you know one thing and the other. But they will understand someday. They will appreciate it if you set the, the standard. Next, it says the greatest thing that a father can do for his children is to love their mother. You hear that guys? The greatest thing to affect your children that you can do for your children is to love their mother. Men, we must concentrate on our wives first in the relationship to become the men that we should be as husbands. This will con- uh, tremendously bless your children. Love your wife. I love what uh, Rita Rudner uh, said one time. She said, "I gave my father a hundred dollars and said." Buy yourself something that will make our lives easier. He went out and bought his mom a gift, uh, my mother a gift. Well, that's the ho- missed the whole point. That he took that hundred dollars and then he went and bought mom a gift because that was going to make people happier. Evidently, no. It's about loving your wife. Yeah, the gift might help, but um, it's about loving them. I really want to challenge you to define love. Love is about honor. Love is about hardly notice, noticing men when she does something wrong. Bearing all things for your wife's sake. Hoping all things for your wife. Being kind. Being slow to speak, quick to listen. Putting her first. And I could go on and on. Loving her at the expense of your own self. Here's another one. Not uncovering your wife to your children. I hear men sometimes, I've done it myself sometimes, talk about, well, your mother, this, or your mother, that, or wives, your father, this, or your father, that. Wrong. What do you call that? Oh, that's gossip. Right. Don't uncover your spouse a father's responsibility is not to make his child's decisions but let the child watch him make his think about that your child is going to learn how to make decisions based on how they watch you and I make decisions and if it's making decisions because we're angry or Going to get even, or we're going to do it for the wrong reasons, or you know I can make a little on the side if I do it. You know, they watch you make decisions, and guess what? That's the way they will learn to make decisions. Children will not always listen to you, but they will always imitate you. That's important. They will not always listen to you, but they will imitate you. Next one, fathers who punish children for doing wrong when they haven't first taught them how to do right are themselves wrong. You need to instruct, instruct, explain, show the way, need to model it. To talk to his children about God a man needs to first talk to God about his children. You need to really get involved in prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Get specific about your children. Talk to your uh, talk to the Lord about everything about them. Pray for their salvation, pray for their safety and health, pray for the mate that's going to be theirs and begin to pray over that person uh, that will come into their lives in the future. A broken promise to a child is the same as a lie. We're going to do this out of the other thing, and then we don't do it. Or you say, we don't do this here, but you turn around and do it anyway. That's a lie. It's also about discipline, the guys. How many times have you been in the store? Junior, if you do that again, I'm going to take you to the car. Do it again. Junior, if you do that again, I'm going to take you to the car. Junior, If pretty quick, you want to slap the parent. Are you going to do something or aren't you? You need to really get involved in your child's life, and then once you say, do it, okay? Don't lie to your children. And mom and dad get on the same page. Talk to each other. makes sense. Behind closed doors, here's who we're going to be. Here's the way we're going to talk to our kids. Here's the way it's going to be. And then both of you do it in front of each other. Don't let them divide and conquer. (laughs) Mom said this, Dad said that, or Mom does it this way, or Dad does it. No, you both got to be on the same page. And then the last thing I want to say, and I've already kind of talked about it, I jumped a gun on it, but we don't uncover family to extended family and friends. I talked about it in the family. But guys, running to other people, you know, i got to have a confidant. I've got to talk about my marriage. I've got to talk about all the different things that are going on, okay? Don't uncover your family. Don't uncover your kids to other people. Friends or even extended family. It's not mom and dad's business about what you're struggling with one thing and the other. Now, there may be exceptions in certain situations, but more times than not, focus on them. There's a whole lot more that I could talk about. I could go on and on with lots of different things that have to do with being men, about leading families, about being fathers. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list of all the different things we should be about. All it's been is information to maybe encourage you to step into your God-given role, guys, to lead, to get out front and pull everybody along with you in the right directions. And guys, where you failed, get with your kids, ask forgiveness, work through these things, make sure that you step up to the mark and lead. Children, if any of them are in here this morning, and all of us are, get with your dads. Honor them. I don't care what kind of a dad they've been. I don't care what kind of a mother. By the way, this, as you know, is one of those scriptures that gives a promise. If you will honor them, it doesn't say how or why. It says if you will honor them, that there's a promise that comes with that. Who wants to be a godly man? Raise your hand. Who wants to lead families? Raise your hand. Who wants to be a godly father? I want every father to stand in this room. I want to pray over you. Father, I just thank you for these men. I thank you that they are here. I thank you that they... Are willing to step to the mark they raised their hand and said they want to be godly before you in every way i pray father that you would touch their hearts i pray that you would change their lives the way that they think that in every one of us especially me father that i would really get a clue as to what it is you want me to be about i pray your scripture would come alive to me I pray that it would come alive to these men. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us where we floundered, where we missed the mark. But we are so, so thankful for your forgiveness. So, Father, with these men, I speak blessings over their households. I speak blessings over their families. I speak blessings over their children. And I pray, Father, that they would move forward from here into this wonderful area of accepting the responsibility and changing the world around them. We praise you and ask all of this in the name of Jesus. You can be seated.
1: From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win to donate online, visit vlccaz.org That's vlccaz.org Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Centers with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win Podcast.